Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Osmo Daily Fantasy Newsroom, the show where I, your host, Kyle Dvorak, Find me on Twitter at KyleTweets here, take you through yesterday's preseason leading into week one NFL news and show you how to make fantasy action of it as we head into those final fantasy drafts and get ready for week one. If you've got those week one waivers rolling, get those final ads in before the season starts. Before this show starts, I want to remind you to go to Osmo.com forward slash fantasy dash football. That's where you get access to the Osmo draft kit included in that draft kit for just $29.95 is a ton of awesome tools you can use to win your fantasy league, including projections done by the world's number one daily fantasy football player, Alex Osmo Baker, our customizable strength of schedule tool, our draft wingman tool, which helps you build optimal season long and best ball teams, and so much more. All of that for $29.95. And if you get it now, you get a $35 credit to the FFPC. That makes the draft kit free as long as you're using that if you're a new user to the FFPC. So now let's get into the show. First piece of news we have, there's a handful of waiver claims that actually could have at least an outside chance of making an impact in fantasy football. A few days ago on Saturday, we saw every team trimmed down to 53 men. Every player who I believe is under four years or at four years of accrued service hits waivers as opposed to going directly to free agency. That means each team has a chance to pick up their contract by claiming them on waivers. Two running backs I want to talk about claimed on waivers. The first one, Rams claim running back Raymond Calais, formerly of Tampa Bay. Calais doesn't obviously project to have a role in week one, having no experience with the Rams up until this final week. But claiming a back ahead of their opener doesn't look good for running back Daryl Henderson. Their day two pick from two years ago was supposed to be the heir apparent to Todd Gurley. Now it seems like his ceiling is at best sort of a a Chris Thompson type of role, you know, a Danny Woodhead type of role, because he did show electric playmaking ability at Memphis. But the fact that he got less than 50 touches while dusty old Todd Gurley kept getting trot out and was not the same pass-catching Todd Gurley we were used to last year, the fact that he couldn't get on the field over that or in place of some of those pass-catching downs is really concerning for his long-term outlook. Then he suffers a leg injury headed into week one. They say he is still going to be able to play, but it seems like a 50-50 at this point. Now they add another running back, further casting doubt. And Clayus isn't that dissimilar from Henderson. He ran at 7.8 yards per carry. During four years at Louisiana, a small school electric player, but didn't get a ton of run. He wasn't getting, you know, 200, 250, 300 carries in the season. He was a guy who's efficient on a per-touch basis, and he doesn't have that pass-catching pedigree that Henderson does. So he is an electric rusher, but doesn't quite have that pass-catching profile, which is what you would really want to see 
if you thought he could usurp Daryl Henderson or at least, you know, take some spot starts from him while Henderson gets healthy in week one, in week two, maybe returns for week two or week three if he misses week one. Doesn't seem like a long-term injury, but at the minimum, we could see him miss a handful of weeks to start the season. Henderson has reportedly been on track to play week one, but any setback would push him later into the year, and that could be how we see Raymond Calais get on the field and take over that third down role if that's how they choose to use him. Another similar situation here, Eagles claim running back Jason Huntley, formerly of the Lions. Huntley, I believe, was a fifth-round pick, despite the team also taking DeAndre Swift on day two. You know, there were rumors dating back to the draft that Philly was going to add some real competition for Miles Sanders. Boston's got an electric back, but seems like a very specific role as a pass catcher. Can maybe make some splash plays, bouncing runs outside, but doesn't seem like he has the size. I think he's like 5'9 and under 200 pounds. Doesn't seem to have the size to be a between-the-tackles player. Fits that Darren Sproles mold. So they wanted to add, or at least supposedly, they wanted to add some competition for Miles Sanders between the tackles. Doug Peterson is a guy who's consistently given his backs minimal work, splitting the job up between multiple players, and even the between the tackles work has always split between players. Most recently, Jordan Howard stifling Miles Sanders' breakout, but that simply didn't happen this year. We didn't see them add anyone via the draft, via free agency. They didn't claim anyone or trade for anyone, and they had ample opportunity to do so. You know, despite Miles Sanders suffering an injury towards the end of training camp, that they held him out of almost all of training camp afterward because of that. The team never chose to bring in another back, obviously, until they claimed Jason Huntley. And it's not like this was obviously a priority for him. The only reason they get him is because another team chose to pass on him in the Lions. They didn't go out and seek out a free agent like Leonard Fournette or Devonta Freeman. They didn't trade for anybody. This is a team that had so many opportunities to add competition and they had chosen not to do so, even though Miles Sanders was injured at the end of training camp. So for me, this says it is wheels up for Miles Sanders. Jason Huntley, an interesting profile, but profiles as a guy who would compete with Boston Scott as opposed to Miles Sanders. Only 5'9", he peaked at 154 carries in college while playing for New Mexico State. He doesn't really threaten Sanders at all for those between-the-tackles touches, but he could push Boston Scott four receptions out of the backfield. Huntley caught 126 balls for 1,094 yards in his final three seasons of college ball. That's that's over 40 receptions per season. He's a guy who is dynamic as a pass catcher, but just doesn't really have the NFL prototypical size to run between the tackles. Very rarely do we ever see guys under 5'10", get the bulk of the between tackles work. Miles Sanders has that prototypical size-speed combination, whereas none of his backups really do, despite the fact that they could have had guys like Leonard Fournette to add to the mix, and they didn't. So I see this as wheels up for Miles Sanders, because they chose so many times not to add any competition for him. Next piece of news, the Chargers are preparing to be without Mike Williams for most of September. This is the Athletics Daniels This is the Athletics Daniel Popper saying that the Chargers are quote preparing for the possibility of playing a majority of September without Williams. This is not a guarantee that he doesn't play at all September. Teams reasonably so would want to prepare for the worst, despite maybe Mike Williams being healthy. But he also added that this was despite the recent optimism around, I believe it's the AC joint injury that Mike Williams suffered, supposedly returning from week one. They're still preparing for the worst here. And this is a serious concern if you're drafting Mike Williams. For me, Mike Williams getting a new quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, who's much more conservative, not a particularly prolific passer either, and can convert instead of dropbacks turning into passes, convert them to rushes because he is such a prolific rusher dating back to his time in Buffalo and Virginia Tech. So for me, he was already getting a pretty big knock in his projection. Now this setback supposedly could not even return till weeks four, weeks five. He is completely off my draft radar 
and someone that enters the fray because of Mike Williams' absence is Joe Reed. Mike Williams' role wouldn't completely move to Joe Reed, but he would be the primary beneficiary stepping into that number two role opposite Keenan Allen. Reed never topped a thousand yards at Virginia, but contributed massively as a kick returner, taking five to the house, and he also put in some work getting carries. In his sophomore season at Virginia 2017, carried the ball 21 times for 112 yards ends his college career with 34 carries for 172 yards and a touchdown. That's 5.1 yards per carry from a guy who doesn't even play running back. So for me, he's a guy that he's the obvious beneficiary. He has shown playmaking ability in the past. I think he has to at least enter your fantasy radar. In my standard leagues, I don't think the size of a standard league 14 or 16 rounds and that roster size is worth picking him up. But if we see him get the bulk of the snaps week one, and if we see this offense maybe playing from behind early because of the loss of Derwin James or because maybe their offense isn't quite as efficient and they run more plays, or if he just gets a ton of targets, he's a guy who I think you can consider picking up after week one and in the deepest of best ball leagues, like a 20th round flyer probably isn't that bad. The only problem for me is assuming Mike Williams does return, even if you say he returns week five, week six, that means you're essentially getting... That means you're essentially getting, assuming he returns to that starting role, I don't know, let's say 10 games where Joe Reed really doesn't do anything for you as the third receiver and maybe the fifth receiving option behind Hunter Henry, behind Austin Eckler and the receivers. You're probably not getting almost any startable weeks out of him. At least in your season-long leagues, you can cut him, whereas in best ball, you are just stuck taking zero after zero after zero. And I know you're not getting many points out of the 20th round, but to essentially lock in zeros after Mike Williams returns seems like a bit of an opportunity cost where I know I can get guys who could be long-term breakouts like a Traquan Smith, a Miles Boykin. So for me, he's a guy that I'm more looking to pick up in season-long leagues, even dynasty leagues, I could go for him there. But in best ball, I'm probably still leaving him off the roster. Next piece of news, or maybe lack of news, Devonta Freeman not expected to sign with Jacksonville. Devonta Freeman visited Jacksonville given their lack of running back depth, but did not reach an agreement with the Jaguars. Looks like Jacksonville will only be carrying three running backs into their opener versus the Colts, Devino Zigbo, James Robinson, and Chris Thompson. Ozigbo and Robinson will split the between the tackles work. Talked about it, I believe, on yesterday's show. Ozigbo is is the presumptive starter. He's the incumbent, but he really didn't get a lot of work last year and sat behind Reichel Armstead as the direct backup. So for me, they're not particularly invested in him, and they didn't give him the bulk of the touches in Week 17 when we saw Leonard Fournette out. That was still Reichel Armstead. So he's a number three running back, whereas James Robinson, at least we don't know what he is yet, and he's a guy that they talked about in camp as having a massive training camp and being part of the reason they felt so comfortable letting Leonard Fournette go. So I'm not really targeting anybody in this backfield right now, but in my deep dynasty leagues, deep best ball leagues, James Robinson is a player who's talented enough to me to have long-term starting upside, and he was the guy I would be targeting. Chris Thompson will take that third down work and probably is the reason you don't want to target either Divine Ozigbo or James Robinson is because no matter what happens, however the carry split between those two, Chris Thompson will be this ceiling capper, taking so many of those targets left behind by Leonard Fournette. So I still think James Robinson, a guy worth noting. Me, I'm probably out on Divino Zigbo, and Chris Thompson, really just the ceiling capper. Given that this team is going to be facing basically losing game scripts almost every week, they have the lowest team total in terms of wins in the entire NFL this year, I think at like four and a half or five at most books. I think Chris Thompson is a viable PPR back. But outside of that, he offers little upside. And even in PPR leagues, 
you would need another massive efficiency season like we saw three or four years ago from Thompson. And on this bland Jacksonville offense, I just don't see that happening. So maybe a zero RB target if you need a high floor player in the double digit rounds, Chris Thompson. Outside of that, James Robinson in deep leagues, no Divino Zigbo for me. Next and final story of the week, Ryan Fitzpatrick set to start for Miami in week one. Dolphins head coach Brian Flores announced that Ryan Fitzpatrick would open the year as Miami starting passer. No surprise here, this was basically a given starting from training camp. They talked about Fitzpatrick being the guy all along. He took all of the number one reps until I believe like the final week or two weeks of training camp where he stepped aside for personal reasons. That's when Tua got some reps with the ones. But given his experience with this offense, I really don't think there's any reason to believe that that would affect Brian Fitzpatrick. And despite, I love Tua Tagovailoa. I think had he stayed healthy in his final season at Alabama, not suffered that gruesome hip injury, he could have competed as the number one overall quarterback prospect. You look at his college stats, and the dude was absolutely killer. Adjusted yards per attempt in his second season, 12.8. In his third season, the one he gets injured in, jacks up to 13.4. One of the most efficient college seasons in the history of the NCAA. Second season, 43 touchdowns to six picks. Third, 33 to 3. He was so efficient, he scored so much and made so few mistakes that you really have to think, had he stayed healthy, he could have competed with Joe Burrow. And as a rusher, he wasn't a non-factor, especially you look at that second college season, 190 yards, five touchdowns. You like a guy who at least has enough athleticism to punch in some short yardage carries, much like a Kirk Cousins or a Jameis Winston, who you don't have to be, you know, Kyler Murray to at least have a little bit of a rushing floor. We see that even with guys like Andrew Luck recently and Aaron Rodgers before him, guys who can just break the pocket, who can still make plays with their legs, even if obviously they're not a Lamar Jackson level threat. And I think Joe Burrow has that too. It's one of the many reasons he deserved to go one after Tua went down. But for me, I love Tua Tagovailoa. He's not starting week one, and that's not the end of the world, because Ryan Fitzpatrick was still at least a, a gunslinging quarterback last year who, for fantasy purposes, is totally fine. I think Tua, whenever he starts this year, will be a more efficient quarterback, probably not as aggressive, and it would not shock me if Flores tries to tamper the expectations by running the ball more, giving him some more easy throws, whereas Fitzpatrick is absolutely going to sling it left and right. And he's a guy, because of that, we saw last year, he's totally a viable streaming quarterback. But for me, week one is not the place you want to stream him. Heads into New England to face that vaunted defense. And I know they lost a handful of guys because of opt-outs, but I still see them as a top three or top five unit. So, I mean, two QB and super flex leagues, maybe you still have to take that risk because he just is who you have right now. But outside of that, not a guy I'm looking to stream too much. I still think the guys you're getting in your final rounds of drafts, your Gardner Minshews, are probably better for week one. But he's a guy maybe moving forward, you get some of that Fitz magic back and you do head to him in your two QB or super flex leagues. Or say you have a quarterback injury, he's a guy I think you could pick up. But for week one, best to leave him on the waiver wire. Guys, that is going to do it for the Osmo Daily Fantasy Football Newsroom. Check back in tomorrow as we head into week one, get those final drafts out of the way. Football is back, baby, and I'm so excited. And of course, check out Osmo.com forward slash fantasy football to get access to our draft kit. Bunch of awesome stuff going on there, all for just $29.95. We'll catch you tomorrow.